0: At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you.
1: This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners.
0: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
2: Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me. My fellow football priest, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, today I wanted to kind of get into some of our takeaways from the coordinator uh, press conferences and their remarks today. We did learn quite a lot, but uh, how are you, buddy? What's so what what jumped out to you today from day 11 of uh, Broncos
1: camp? Cortland Sutton doing Cortland Sutton things, which I tweeted about before the podcast. He absolutely owned Ronald Darby. The second time now in training camp that he just dominated Ronald Darby in a jump ball situation. And we always say it, when Cortland Sutton's the target, Chad, there are no such things as 50 50 balls or like 80 20, if not 90 10 or better. Uh, so he had a tremendous catch today. A couple of receivers made decent catches. You had Jalen Virgil on a long bomb from Josh Johnson. And on, on defense, we talked about it on the radio today the edge rushing unit, Malik Reed got in there for a sack on Calvin, a would be sack on Calvin Anderson. Uh, Nick Benito and Baron Browning both had productive days on the edge, showing their explosion and their bend. So a good day overall after an off day Sunday.
2: Shout out to James who jumped in before we even hit the old go live button. I want to count, let's see, five or is it six super chats, dude? Thank you, buddy. Really means a lot to us. I was hoping we'd see you again tonight, and here you are. It's awesome, bro. He says, let's go Broncos, Javante, Gordon, Wilson, sutton he's naming them all let's ride mhh and then of course the orange crush he does mention greg Dulcich toward the end there zach and i'm gonna flash just a couple of these you're the man dude appreciate you um yes we know it's all good dude correct's a a bummer but uh greg Dulcich, man that freaking look at him james just going that that freaking hammy and then we'll grab this one here in a second but that hammy still costing him time you know it giveth and it taketh are you concerned about dulcich and his inability to stay on the
1: field i actually th- commend the broncos for taking this approach with dulcich i would rather and hold him out now than risk a re-aggravation of a hamstring which are so hard to recover from and to keep healthy so this is what training camp is for is working out the kinks he's doing individual drills and he's doing seven on sevens they're just taking him out for team drills and you know what after the tim patrick injury chad i'm I'm um, safer than sorry when it comes to Dulcich.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, is it a great harbinger? No, I'm still a little traumatized from the K.J. Hamler hamstring. And there have been others, you know, talking about rookies specifically. But I think it'll come out on the wash. It'll come out uh, okay in the end. The Broncos, uh, fortunately, the vacuum that was created by Dulcich not being on the field as the Broncos had planned for him to be That vacuum was filled by the Erics, Eric Saubert and Eric Tomlinson. And so far, they've been doing Yalman's work. So, you know what? I'm not going to worry too much about it at this stage. And, in fact, if I were the Broncos, considering, Zach, that you also have two undrafted rookie tight ends and Andrew Beck, I'm just telling Dolcich, look, sideline till you are hundo. And if you got to wait a while, you got to wait a while. Uh, That's going to be okay. Howie, what's up, brother? Who won the day today, offense or defense? Ooh, that's in the eye of the
1: beholder. Zach, but there's a lot of positive offensive stuff today. What say you? Offense, yeah. I mean, they had the big plays, the touchdowns, like the bomb passes. The defense, they looked better in like one-on-one and positional drills. I mentioned Baron Browning and Benito Malik Reed. Pass rushing drills, the defense looked really well, but offensively, Russell Wilson was connecting on his deep passes. Even Josh Johnson had a deep ball today. So I'm going to definitely say the offense, and it's so encouraging that they're rebounding after the tough practices they had last week.
2: I knew there was a reason why I like James. He says he's born in 79, yet there is no Broncos fan like me. I'm a 79er as well, dude. Not a 49er, a 79er. He says the AFC West better be ready on a super chat. Appreciate you. We might go 0-3. However, they better be ready. Wilson and pressure equals win. Shout out to MHH. And then he's got one more here, Zach. and We'll dive back into some stuff. He says, Sertan has many years before he should even be mentioned in the same sentence as Bailey. In a general sense, I, I get what you're trying to say. He's got a long row left to hoe, Zach. But when people are talking about Bailey and Sertan in the same conversation, they're just saying that he has traits that are reminiscent of Champ Bailey, and that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I'm an 89er, but I think a 69er is better. Yeah, He's the best cornerback <laughs> since Chant Bailey, for sure. And he has a lot of the same qualities as you mentioned. And also, Sir Tan, uh, uh, Bailey has mentioned, excuse me, Bailey said he has Hall of Fame attributes. And Bailey would know being uh, you know, immortalized in, in Canton, so... Um, Yeah, the best corner since Champ Bailey, but I still think let's not compare him to Champ. Let's not compare him to his father, Pat Sertan. Let's let PS2 be PS2 and carve out his own way in the NFL world.
2: Lots more that we got to get to tonight. But first, we got to say hello and thank you to the presenting sponsor of tonight's live stream podcast. You might have guessed it. It's... Manscaped back in the saddle with the Mile High Huddle podcast. It's time to get things tightened up, boys. Still in the dog days of summer, just like the Denver Broncos. You know what that means relative to your manscaping. So make sure you're utilizing the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They have created a championship lineup with their performance package 4.0. So join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, just like yours truly, And get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code MHH.
1: Yeah, Chad, a lot of people associate Manscaped with like the, the weed whacker, the lawnmower, as you see there, but they have a lot of secondary accessories, you know, auxiliary tools that you can use on your undercarriage, or above the waist, I like to use the Crop Reviver. I say it almost every single time we do these these sponsors chat. I use it when I go to the gym and I don't have time to shower. I go outside because you sweat when you walk outside now. It's automatic, at least for me, automatic sweat. We got to do the radio show five days a week. If I don't have time to shower, I'm popping a few of these spritzers on and I feel much better. So anything you see there in front of you guys, I promise you, if you do any sort of grooming, Manscaped is the way to go.
2: Inside the, the Performance Package 4.0, you're going to find the lawnmower, the uh, 4.0, by the way, the Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, it's a ball deodorant, uh, Crop Reviver Toner, as Zach uh, talked about, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. So get 20% off plus free shipping with our code MHH at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code MHH at Manscaped.com. Step your manscaping game up. All right. We do appreciate the support from Manscaped. And those of you who do patronize our sponsors, we appreciate you as well. Uh, GLP jumping in on Facebook to say, good afternoon, Chad, Zach, and Scott. What do you guys think about the new training regime? I am really excited. Zach, I'm not sure exactly what he's getting at, but I think I know. I, do you have a syntax Um Translation here, to be specific?
1: I hope it doesn't mean the strength and conditioning staff because, no, I'm not excited about that. I am not excited about the lower body injuries that continue to plague the Broncos because the newest one now, Chaz, Natani Muti, who has a knee injury, and he's being evaluated. So the injury bug continues to bite every year, and it's well beyond coincidence for me. But, if Gary, if you meant, like, training camp or the new coaching staff or something general like that, then, yeah, I'm excited too. But in terms of the training regiment. can't get on board, man.
2: It was encouraging to hear from Coach Hackett today uh, that, you know, the last time the Broncos took a day off, that was Sunday of the previous weekend. Um, They came back the next day, and it just wasn't a good day. And then a few not-so-great things unfolded from there later on, including the Tim Patrick and um, DeMarie Crockett injury. But the Broncos played, practiced, performed much better. Hackett was significantly more pleased with how they handled their day off this time in terms of the rebound, because, you know, they still are working on Sunday. They're just not practicing out on the grass. So it's not like they were just at home on the recliner. They were in the building. It's training camp. So that's at least good, Zach, to hear that, you know, he wanted more out of them on their next day after the off day. And he got that.
1: Yeah, and I think both units uh, respectively had decent practices, solid practices today. It wasn't there where they had to stop practice like they did last week when Hackett and Wilson were frustrated. The defense, at least the front seven was making plays today and the Broncos receivers were making plays today. So in the second week of training camp, the second off day, I think the players heated Hackett's call.
2: We talked about this. We, we added it to one of our segments. Charlie, thank you for the reminder here. Um, it is 8-8 day. It's 88 day. It's August 8th. And this is a day to remember and honor Demarius Thomas uh, as Peyton Manning did, by the way. It was a nice, it was very cool little, you know, if you're, if you're a homer, I'm not saying I'm a homer. I don't know. Maybe you might get chills from watching the Peyton Manning DT tribute on his Instagram today. It was pretty cool. I got some, I got some chills. But, yeah, it's 88 day. It's August 8th, Demarius Thomas. We celebrate him. Passed away all too young back in December such a bummer, but it's really been cool, Zach, to see how his former teammates, the Broncos themselves, um, media, the, uh, the school that he went to in college, Georgia Tech, really going above and beyond to keep his memory alive. And then we'll grab Lawrence.
1: That sucks, man. Honestly, like, I'm I, not that the tributes suck or anything like that. The fact that he passed sucks. It really does. Gone way, way too soon. On the radio show chat earlier today, we talked about our favorite memories of Demarius Thomas. What a dominant elite alpha wide receiver, but you'd never know it because of how humble he was, how hardworking he was. He was just a good egg in so many ways. So I'm still not over the fact that he passed. I still can't, you know, I look at his Wikipedia page and I see was an American football wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And I'm like, was, how is that even happening? It's crazy. <laughs>
2: it doesn't seem real but no. lawrence says what's up everyone how has the wide receiver depth chart been recently with the loss of tim patrick and who is filling that role now well right now it's the broncos are rotating a lot of guys i think they had to play a game tomorrow zach it's it's going to be jerry judy at wide receiver two. but get this from nathaniel hackett we're talking about what the coaches said today and their media availability he said that brandon johnson undrafted rookie, quote, has done a really good job. It's not too big for him, that's for sure. We put him in with the first team on Saturday, and he did a couple things, had a great double move for a big gain in a two-minute situation. There is so much great opportunity out here right now. When anything happens, he's talking about bad things like an injury to Tim. You just want to see people capitalize on it and get better and get the trust of the quarterback and the coaching staff. Brandon Johnson is doing a fine job. Close quote and Zach, that kind of lines up with what we're hearing and seeing. He seems to have already kind of garnered the interest of Russell Wilson, which is very good for his roster prospects. He's they've been connecting on uh, the last two practices,
1: and it seems like he's more of a possession receiver, which is what Tim Patrick was. What they need to you know replace him with not a speed demon kind of receiver, but I would take this with a slight grain of salt because this is now the third nondescript non-household name wide receiver that Hackett's uh, gushed over. The first one was Travis Fulgham in OTAs, and then he talked about last week Trey Quinn. But there is no one stepping up right now that is claiming that uh, opening on the depth chart. I mean, they have Kendall Hinton. He came back from a knee. He's practicing decently well. Brandon Johnson. You have Darius Shepard who came in and caught a touchdown pass last week. I think the Broncos are waiting for one of these guys out of the collection of Five or six to step up and be that guy that can help replace TP.
2: The aviator, Shane Daniels. We got to kick it with him last fall at the MHH meet and greet at the stadium. We hope to be able to do so again this fall. It's great to see you, bro. I've missed you. How have you been? I just said Bean like my Canadian friends Bean. do. They don't say Ben, they say Bean. Bean again. You know, it's weird. Shane, uh, evening chat and Zach. Colin Cowherd predicts the Broncos to finish first in the AFC West. I'd like to see it, but do you think it's likely? Hashtag let's ride with the appropriate threes. Love that, Shane. Great to see you, big dog. What say you, Zach?
1: Let them love, not let them hate. I I mean, I, I don't care one way or the other what Colin Coward thinks about the Broncos' chances. Uh, it's nice that they're getting some national love, but I feel like Coward's the only one in that tier that's given the Broncos any sort of positive publicity so it's nice. It's a, it makes for a good story, good headline. I don't see it as overly likely though until they prove on the field that they are better than Kansas City because they are the kings of the mountaintop. And until the Broncos come up and push them off that mountain, I can't get on board with Coward's prediction. But, you know, at least he uh sees the Broncos as a playoff team as we all do. Andrew Baker, what's up fam? He says, hanging with
2: my father-in-law. I hate to do it, but he I hate to do it. He wants a the Bears. <laughs> You gotta. Do you have a Saturday Night Live impression in you, Zach? Can you oblige Shane Daniels, or pardon me, Shane Daniels, Andrew Baker and his father-in-law on a DeBears?
1: I can't. I don't want to embarrass myself. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out.
3: Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career, too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on
1: business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte.
3: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Duh, Broncos.
2: (laughs) Psych. All right, all right. Just because it's you, Andrew, the bears. There you go. Okay. Hope they – I don't really care what the Bears do. They're not in the division. They're on the conference. Howie says, how has the running game looked since the Broncos put the pads on? And how does our strength and conditioning coach still have a job? You don't want us getting up onto that soapbox. We spent plenty of time, dog, um, last week on that. Scott did some great producer of Voodoo and found us some statistics to back up what our eyeballs are telling us in terms of – Broncos are not amongst the uh, – Team the, the league leaders in avoiding DOS injury bug. But Zach, how has the run game looked since they put the pads on? What say you from what you've heard and seen?
1: First of all, I'm sitting on that soapbox right now. We we continue to just uh lay claim to our belief about the Broncos SNC program, but that's neither here nor there right now. The running game, it's hard to tell. In practice, you're going against your own teammates. These are scripted practices, conditioned practices. We'll know a little more when the pads go on Saturday against the Cowboys, but the Broncos still like them. My overall takeaway, Chad, the Broncos still like themselves some Melvin Gordon. They still want to get him involved any way they can, and if it means taking Javante off the field on third downs or passing situations, so be it, but it is going to be a two-headed timeshare. It's not going to be the Javante Williams show, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things talking um, with Luke Patterson is that, you know, he's been our eyes and ears at practice every single day. And, you know, people stopped kind of buzzing about Javante Williams over the course of week two. And one of the reasons being that, you know, his strong suit is the physical aspect of playing running back. Luke remarked in the first week of camp that he looks a lot more spry, explosive, quick, you know, and that's nice and it's good to see. But then you get into the pads part, and, and the physicality amps up, and you think, okay, well, that serves Javante. Well, not really, because they don't, they don't mind some popping, Zach, to quote Nathaniel Hackett, but they don't want tackling to the ground. And, and Javante Williams is just a guy that you, you can't replicate his running style. He's done plenty, I think, Zach, enough to hold on to the, to the number one job. Uh, but the running game, I mean, Dalton Reisner coming alive. It's starting to, it's really starting to come together, which is why I can't wait to see how they look against the Cowboys later this week.
1: Here's my thing. You can't replicate Javante, but can you replicate Melvin Gordon? You sure can. And pass catching, I'll say it again. Guess who had more rece- more yards? I don't know about more receptions. I think more catches though. Uh, Javante. It wasn't Melvin Gordon last year. It was Javante Williams. So it seems like, someone, either Peyton or Hackett or both, they just want to do anything in their power to get Melvin Gordon the ball and keep this a split or a 60-40 timeshare at best.
2: Yeah, Phil, he says, pardon me, and thank you for the the stars, big dog. He says, I really think Dalton Reisner's looking good in this new offense. Let's ride MHH for life. Really appreciate that, brother. That's something um, we learned today. If you've read Luke's camp notebook, his three takeaways today, one of them is that Dalton Reisner has separated as basically the best the best offensive lineman uh, at camp, the most consistent. And that's a good development considering he was really under the gun. The Broncos said, look, you're going to have to compete this time. You're not being grandfathered a job at left guard. And he said, no problem, no problem. And he's felt the pressure from Natani Muti. But then, of course, Muti got hurt. And that, that uh, I don't think would have affected, Zach, what's happening with Reisner in terms of even if he hadn't gotten hurt, Reisner's just been... He's been shining, and it's a contract year, so you want to see that from a former second-round pick. The Duchess jumping in, and before I read her Super Chat, Zach, I want to give everybody an update on where things stand on the uh, Super Chat contest real quick, as you can see here. Top five in this month of August. We have a new number one. It's Dale. It's DW96734 across the beautiful Pacific in Hawaii in Paradise, leapfrogging over multiple uh, superstars for the number one spot, followed by... Ethan, a.k.a. the DWI guys. The Duchess at three. Gregory Vendeland has leapfrogged. And then Sam Bam at number five. And by the way, Sam Bam, I did get your email today. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to send you out some swag for helping out and supporting us so regularly. But just a few names outside the top five. Zeus, uh, James, he's going to be climbing after tonight. Uh, Tyler Randall, Jason, Benji, etc. So much love and respect. And then the Duchess here. Love you. She says, greetings and salutations. What is the status of? Of KJ Hamler's injury. Hamstring again. How long will he be out now, Zach? What have you heard on KJ?
1: I didn't know he was hurt again. I, he practiced today, as far as I know, and he was with the uh, starting offense getting some reps out there. I think, Michaela, you, he was uh, held out of practice the other day, and you might be getting confused about that. It, it'd be news to me, but the plan all along, even if he misses a practice, uh, for a maintenance day, is week one. It, it was never week one of the preseason. It's week one of the regular season. And I think Hackett talked about KJ, Billy Turner, Randy Gregory, these three guys, they're all on track to be ready to go for Seattle. And that really is all that matters.
2: Today, by the way, KJ Hamler got his first full-speed reps um, in shells All right, with the first-team offense. So like he was full go um, available and doing his thing today. So that's a good first step I would be if I were the Broncos Zach a little bit careful about exposing him too much to a new opponent that's thirsty just like the Broncos are to take their aggression out on someone that's not their own team I would maybe kind of keep KJ out of that I mean you can't bubble wrap these guys I get it at a certain point you can't operate from a basis of fear uh, when it comes to who plays who doesn't but I'm just telling you, a guy still recovering from what was a very brutal injury, not that long ago. We haven't even hit the one year mark yet on his injury. I'm just not tempting fate if I can avoid it. Doesn't mean I won't necessarily give him a few reps in the preseason game if I'm so inclined. And I'm my name is Nathaniel, Hager, but I'm just being really smart about that. GLP says I have my ticket for the Niners game. See you guys there. Nice. Dope. That's gonna be awesome. Can't wait to meet you and hang out with you, Gary. It's gonna be awesome.
1: Yeah, the thing about uh, KJ as well, with the Cowboys, I talked about it on the radio today, Chad. This is the team that probably wants a modicum of revenge, considering the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater blew them out on their home field last year. I wouldn't risk any player that's semi-hurt or recovering from an injury like KJ. Wait till the second or third game to get him some of those reps, but again, the plan all along has been week one at Seattle.
2: Shout out to Big Earn. Shout out to Michael. Good to see you, buddy. Shout out to Albert. Love you, big dog. And then also shout out to Dylan helping us out in the chat on YouTube as he does every single night for, golly, how long has it been now, Dylan? It's been a year and a half, something like that, since you've been helping out in the chat. Clo- at least a year, right? Uh, officially as as a moderator. So that's really cool. Appreciate that, big dog. And he, he working on a new article is Dylan, so keep your guys' eye, uh, eyes peeled for that. Kathy also in the house. What's up, Kathy? Uh, James coming in with another super. Really appreciate that, Thank bro. You. What's that, seven? Dude, legendary. Legendary. Appreciate it. He says, Javante will be the man, yet the touches will be somewhat close. Pending injury, of course. No injuries between both equals 2,000 rushing yards. Hello. Yeah, dude. Um, let's hope. Yeah, Javante, he's, he's got so little tread worn from his tires from being in a timeshare over the last four years of his football playing career that he doesn't really have an injury jacket, Zach. And so I'm knocking on wood as I say that Melvin Gordon, for the most part, manages to stay available for his team for the most part. Not perfect. Okay. I'm at least since he's been a Bronco only one or two games, I'll have to pull this up to remind myself for sure. But I don't think, you know, knock on wood, it's going to be an issue. But if it is, Zach, the injury bug aspect, because, I mean, we're talking about attrition. That that position in particular just gets brutalized. That's why uh, you're paying almost $2 bucks for your number three running back, Mike Boone.
1: I don't see 2,000 yards from both running backs. Like, where are the yards coming from? I, I can see one of them cracking a 1,000, but not both. It's going to be a pass-first offense. Russell Wilson and these wide receivers and tight ends, I just don't see 2,000-yard guys. And I smiled, Chad, because I, I was thinking to myself, how many 1,000-yard seasons does Melvin Gordon even have in his career? Entered the league in 2015. The answer is one. One, 1,000-yard season, and that was in 2017. So he couldn't get it since then, and he was, he's was he been the guy for the most part. He's going to suddenly get it now on a pass-first offense with Russell Wilson. I don't see it.
2: I'm not sure if that's what you meant, James, that they'll each get 2,000. But um, as you know, 2,000 yards rushing, man, it has to be like uh, just one of those magical seasons for that to happen. And it happened for Denver back in 1998, and that was as John Elway was literally falling apart, and he basically knew this is it, and the team kind of felt it. Mike Shanahan certainly felt it, and so the emphasis was most certainly on Terrell Davis, especially because you had Bubby Brister miss four games. You guys remember that? Four games that year, uh, Bubby stepped in and carried the water for Elway as he's dealing with a pretty serious injury, so that's how the stars have to align. You got to have a special back, and then all those other factors have to come in, but I still, I feel very confident when I say Javante Williams, 1,000-yard season. And when's the last time the Broncos got a 1,000-yard season out of a running back? Phillip Lindsay, 2019, for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, I see Dylan bringing up his uh, touchdowns, Melvin Gordon, in his career. And guys, you know, I see comments like K-Hop saying Zach doesn't like, really doesn't like Melvin Gordon. I think he's a good but not great running back. I, I didn't like the contract. I don't like him taking carries away from Javante, who should be the RB1. That's my opinion. I don't like his attitude. I don't like him you know, skipping voluntary practices and showing up because he doesn't want to get fined. Those are all valid criticisms. But as a running back, you could do a lot worse than Melvin Gordon. I just prefer me some 33. That's That's my opinion. So
2: his last... Okay, so forget what I, I said Zach about availability because well hold on year one as a rookie first round pick 2015 he appeared in 14 of 16 games year two 13 of 16 year three that was his thousand yard year 16 of 16 year four 12 of 16 year five uh 12 of 16 his first year in Denver Zach 15 of 16 and then last year 16 of 17 so he's only managed one and this is pretty common for a running back he's only managed
3: one season without missing any time not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies
1: didn't even finish my I forgot to finish my sentence that Dylan reminded me of about the touchdowns, that he's no slouch. He only has two seasons where he had 10 or more touchdowns on the ground. So he's not like Derrick Henry incarnate. And you know, I see some comments here, did that fumble turn you against Melvin? Kathy's saying, I can't sell. I didn't even mention the fumbles. That's another thing. (laughs) You have one job as a running back that's to hold on to the freaking football. Y'all get on Jerry Judy for dropping passes. Why can't I criticize Melvin Gordon for fumbling? It works both ways. All my opinion, guys. All right. so, for what it's worth, the biggest season
2: obviously in Broncos rushing history was the TD 2000-yard campaign. That year he had 21 touchdowns. 21 he fumbled twice on 392 carries dude the second most prolific season by by in terms of yardage was uh the season prior td 1750 yards 15 touchdowns but the most touchdowns ever scored in a single season by a broncos running back on the ground is td's 21 that's the single season record and then he's tied with clinton portis and Mike Anderson for the second most in a season, 15. So, and then Portis also had a 14. So Portis, Zach, he was only in Denver two years. His first two seasons, he had a 15-touchdown season and then a 14-touchdown season. Both seasons, he was over 1,500 yards rushing. And then they traded him, of course, to get Champ Bailey. But I sometimes have to see these things to be reminded of how badass Clinton Portis was and he could have been one of the greatest, I think, of all time. If, if the stars aligned differently and, say, Washington wasn't hearing the Broncos about a Champ Bailey trade and he stayed in Denver with Shanahan for another three, four, five years, whatever it might have been, I think he would have, he would have been a guy whose career trajectory would have shaked, shaken out a little bit different than it ultimately did in Washington.
1: Yeah, just moving off the point. After this, I'm looking at Melvin Gordon's numbers, and he has four years where his uh, yards per carry was below four, and Javante's last year was four point four. So I'm just Team Javante Williams. That's my opinion. Y'all can like Melvin Gordon. That's cool too. But enough about Clinton Portis, Melvin Gordon. We got Michaela Parker, ninety nine, ninety nine. Michaela Whoa. bomb. Whoa. Popping in here. Thank you so much. Bad sound effect, but the uh, the intention remains genuine. Thank you so much, Michaela. She goes, I have a solid feeling that Pookie will have a 1,500-yard season, and yes, Melvin will crash out to say it politely. 1,500 yards for Javante Williams. If they ran through the running game, no pun intended, obviously, if it went through the running game, I can see Pookie getting that number, but they don't because they have the passing attack with Russell Wilson. And unfortunately, he has an albatross by the name of Melvin Gordon around his ankles figuratively. It'd be great, and he has the the talent certainly to hit that number. He can be a perennial Pro Bowl running back, but until he's not in a timeshare, it's going to be tough. It will be tough, but I wouldn't completely
2: remove it off the table of possible because see this might be something you and i we don't 100 percent share a brain on which is pretty rare and that is that i don't necessarily think this is going to be a when you when when you think of the phrase pass first offense i think i'll speak for myself i think of peyton manning era bronco offenses i think of india indianapolis era um colts offenses i think of a lot of these aaron Rodgers offenses a lot of the drew Brees offenses of old i think you know it's a pass first centric I think the Broncos are going to be a a pass-prioritized offense, but I think that the running game, so much of what they're trying to do, just based off what we're seeing in camp and reading between the lines of what the coaches are saying and the players, I think it's going to be like a running game. And even then, I resist saying run first. That's my point, I guess, is that I don't think there's going to be like a particular emphasis, even though you've got Russ. I think it's going to be how do we balance, and how do we attack, get the defense, chase in the ball carrier, and then hit him over the top once or twice. And now you've really got them where you want them. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. And the season I'm thinking of when you when you look for like a historical precedent, look Jake Plummer, his first year in Denver, it wasn't the most prolific. Um, he only he missed five games. He got hurt that year, but the Broncos were a very good team in 2003. They ended up being a wild-card team and got trounced in the playoffs, wild-card by Peyton Manning. But that year, Clinton is 1,500 yards rushing. It can happen, but it takes a special running back, whether it's a Bronco team or any team, Zach. It takes a special running back to get to 1,500 yards uh, rushing. And it has to be a guy that's in the zone, has to be a guy that is not only benefiting from how the play call, uh, plays are being called and what the offensive philosophy is overall, but the O-line, and then he's just got to have something special, uh, special under his hat. Can it happen? Yes. Do I expect 1,500 yards? Not necessarily, but I do expect him to be over 1,000.
1: Well, I didn't say pass only offense either. You know, you said pass oriented. I'm saying pass first, kind of the same thing, potato, potato. And at least in my opinion, you know, I don't trade two first round draft picks, three players, and give them $50 million a year to hand the ball off 30 times a game. I'm bringing in a quarterback like that to make plays on the strength of his right arm. And I feel like the Broncos, if you had to split it down, run pass, 60 40, that's how I feel it's going to be, as it should be.
2: Yes. But either way, I mean, the cool thing is, whatever. However the equation shakes out, the Broncos have the horses to succeed either way. I mean, you've got a franchise quarterback. He's not traditionally been known as a guy that's, you know, operating a breeze, Manning, Rodgers type offense, but that was in Seattle. It could be, Zach, that this team ends up really being pass first. It could be because we've heard about the, no, we're going to let Russ cook. We're not going to make the same mistake Seattle did. And it could be just here are the keys, Russ, go do your thing. And if that's the case, I still feel very good that you're going to see some significant offensive production, unlike what we've seen the last uh, few years, that's for sure. Andrew's uh, father-in-law, hey, you're welcome for the shout-out. You're welcome. No problem. Um, okay, we're at 32 minutes. Zach, we got to keep it a little bit tight tonight. I have to get out of here a little bit on time. So we got 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, a couple things I want to jump back to that was uh, discussed today in the media availability. Um On the subject, Zach, of Greg Dulcich's injury, head coach Nathaniel Hackett said, quote, hamstrings are so weird. They're difficult, very difficult to get through. As he goes through that, we're just making sure that we're doing everything the right way, close quote. He didn't really want to talk too much about it, but he did mention that this is a difficult situation. Again, we touched on it earlier in this conversation, Zach, but I am a little bit concerned enough to say just keep him off the field until we get to real football because they're going to need him this year.
1: Yeah. They don't need him right now, which is great. They have no reason to rush him back because AO is making plays. You have Eric Tomlinson making plays, Eric Saubert making plays. So you have at least three tight ends that you can count on until Dulcich is hundred percent. And I've said it on draft night. I've said it pretty much every day since then. They did not draft Dulcich to start week one. It would be great if he took that opportunity by the horns and made it happen, but he was always a second half of the season kind of guy, kind of like Nick Benito. They are long-term developmental projects. And we don't like talking about second and third round picks and, and those uncertain terms or certain terms but that's what they are so let him get healthy same with kj handler don't chant it if you don't have to you don't need those players right now
2: Corey h jumping in what's up bro appreciate that very generous super chat you, he says bro. and he's one of our og super chat superstars he says if you've watched packer games you know exactly what this running game will look like reminded me a lot of the old broncos it's definitely front and center he believes in the running game Yes, the Packers, I think, though, it's going to be a little bit more emphasis on the running game, more like San Francisco style. I mean, they're bringing Butch Berry over here, Zach, for a reason. But either way, it's zone. It's the West Coast. To to quote you, potato, potato. It's just going to be very familiar to what Broncos fans remember from the classic Shanahan days. This fly is driving. I've got a fly (laughs) harassing me right now.
1: Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I hope it's not the 49ers because as a fantasy owner of their running backs, they use like 40. It'd be good news for Mike Boone, but not so good news for Javante Williams. But I just feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misguided. The whole thing with Russell Wilson, he was so disenfranchised in Seattle because he wasn't allowed to cook. He wasn't allowed to pass. He wasn't allowed to be unleashed and unshackled. And I feel like one of the motivators of making that trade from the Broncos' point of view is to let him do all of those things. Take the chains off, let him pass the ball, let him run the offense, and that's why I feel like you can use the running game to set up the pass, but I don't feel like they're going to use the pass to set up the run, if that makes sense.
2: I'm going to see. Nope, it, I miss my touch screen on these streams. I need to get me a touchscreen monitor. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, Zach, is what do you look for in the joint practices? If you're Nathaniel Hackett, here's what he said, quote, Some great competition. You want to see those guys step up. The best thing about going against a team like Dallas, just going against different people is always great, but it's also a completely different scheme than what we face. That's something we're always looking for. You go against this defense day in and day out, you understand the intricacies on how to beat it, but now you are facing a completely different animal with what Dallas is going to bring here. So, number one, it's about being able to adjust on all the things we've been working on up to this point, to now completely different from structure and watch those guys compete and get after it together. Have a nice, good, clean practice that we can just see different guys attack others. Closed quote, Zach. So one of the benefits is not just, hey, here's a different target to take our aggression out on. Of, of a It's not no longer friendly fire. We actually get to go against a true outside opponent. But it's, hey, we get used to seeing the, the offense. Wilson, everybody, they get used to seeing the same looks on defense, and it becomes uh, something you can anticipate and predict. Same thing for the defense. That's one of the biggest utilities of these joint practices is they're seeing different schematic looks.
1: I took one word out of what he said, and that was clean, because I just want the Broncos to avoid injuries. Get out of these joint practices preseason without any more major injuries, and I will be happy. But it's going to be interesting. The one thing I didn't mention on the radio today that I wanted to is the Broncos will be going up against Dan Quinn who they nearly hired as their head coach over Nathaniel Hackett. He's the D.C. of the Cowboys. So how they attack that defense, it could be where George Payton is proven absolutely right that he hired Hackett over Dan Quinn. It should be interesting from that storyline aspect.
2: So we've talked a lot and heard a lot about, oh, the nomenclature is going to be the same on the ejiro Evro defense. It's going to be similar to Vic Fangio. And then we hear, no, it's going to, you know, yeah, that part's true maybe a little bit, but it's going to be more attacking like Wade Phillips. We're still trying to kind of get a beat on exactly what the defense is going to be, and we won't know that for sure until we see it come out in the wash, Zach. But Evero talked about where he stands philosophically on gap and a half, all right, for D-line versus two gapping, stopping the run. He said, quote, if you're going to play the way we're going to play, you have to be able to do that, meaning I think both. It's not just hitting blocks. We're definitely going to stress that. But we're going to give our guys a chance to get on the move and penetrate some. It's not just one technique. We're going to do various things, Zach. So they're going to. It's not just going to be attack. You know, shoot the gap. Talking defensive line specifically. You know, there's the the concept of all right defensive line. Like you think back to Pot Roast, Terrence Knight in his days. You know, he was a guy that he could penetrate here and there, but he was mostly tasked with standing up offensive linemen, stand up the blockers, and let the linebackers get around him and flow. This is going to somehow balance that, according to Evro. Or could that just be a guy that doesn't want to talk about what his scheme is going to be yet? And, and it's going to be a predominant either a two gap or shoot the gap, like Wade Phillips like to do.
1: I think he's being somewhat honest here. I, I feel like he laid out his true intentions. He's not going to tell you what the Broncos are going to run, obviously. There's some gamesmanship, but it's interesting the collection of bodies they have on that defensive line. They're so versatile. You know, Draymond Jones, Awoozarike, DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, McTelvin Ajim. Uh, Deshaun Williams even, he's pretty good against the run and as a pass rusher, they can do so many different things and they're going to be on the front line for the linebackers, the cleanup crew to get after the quarterback, for the secondary to make plays. I can't wait to see, and I hope anyway, the Wade Phillips, as you mentioned, attacking style of defense, blitz, heavy, get after the quarterback, cause havoc. We didn't see that at all in the Fangio era chat. The rare times Fangio would blitz, good things would happen and then he goes right away from it. Evero, I think, would be top five in blitz percentage up there with Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay. James, with yet another
2: super chat, bro. Thank you, dude. Thank you, James. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Why don't you shoot us an email at milehighhuddle at gmail and let us send you out a little thank you for how outgoing in your support you have been tonight in particular, buddy. Send us a – we just need your shipping address, and uh, we'll send you out a little something-something. But he says, whatever they show you in camp, think the opposite. Shout out MHH exactly Zach check this out dude Jonas Griffith is he the number Two to Josie Jules number one Inside linebacker maybe He's got a lot of that kind of buzz working for him In terms of what people are saying but What's the posture like On the on the, on the the pecking order You know the hierarchy I think Coach Evero gave us a little Inclination to that when he mentioned Justin Sternod Zach in the same breath as Josie Get this on whether Jonas Griffith has started shadowing Josie Jewell on his own or if that's something that the coach has told him to do. Everett, quote, no, he has great habits. Griffith is a hell of a pro and fully intent on getting better. He takes full advantage of every opportunity that he can, whether it's physically, mentally, or picking the brains of the right people like Josie Jewell or Justin Sternat. He's a pro, close quote. Now, Zach, is that just a slip of the tongue in terms of he just he meant it in one way? Doesn't necessarily mean you don't jump to conclusions, or or could it possibly be that what I'm reading into, maybe they are planning on rolling out Sternite as the starter next to
1: Jewel? I pray that's not the case. I hope you're reading too much into it. I looked at it like there's some holdover or carryover in terminology. Uh, and language from the Fangio era, and Sternad was around during that era, so other players can lean on him and pick his brain and, and kind of get more familiar with the scheme. If they start Sternad at inside linebacker, Josie Jewell and Justin Sternad inside linebacker, just hypothetically, and you move Baron Browning to outside, there would be anarchy in Denver, rightly so.
2: Um, Michael says, I want Russell Wilson to sign a five year contract extension with the Broncos in the near future.
1: Be patient, it'll happen. Yeah.
2: Good things come to those who wait. Um, Phil with some big boy stars. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate that, my friend. Seriously, thank you so much. He wants to know, is ownership official tomorrow? In so many words, yes, because the NFL owners are set to approve the new Broncos ownership group uh, tomorrow. And then I'm going to quote Troy Rank of Denver 7. He says, what has been expected for weeks will become official August 9th. According to a source, NFL owners meet on the 9th. Uh, in Minnesota to vote on Rob Walton's 4.65 billion dollar agreement to purchase the Broncos, and then uh, it, he says it will officially mark the end of the Boland ownership era for the Broncos. So yes, Zach, it's it's happening tomorrow.
1: Yep, it's a uh, it's a bittersweet kind of day because the Broncos had so much success. You know, a lot of people remember the post Peyton Manning era. No, it's, it's all that Pat Boland did before that that made him a Hall of Famer, made him what he was. But uh, the Rob Walton era should be exciting, kicking off with Russell Wilson, kicking off with a victory in week one, and uh, hopefully good things to come from that $4.5 billion purchase. Uh,
2: K-Hop 16, the first game Saturday, gut reaction after. You can count on that, my friend. If there's a game featuring your Denver Broncos, you can count on a mile-high huddle gut reaction immediately following the game. All right, this Saturday. So expect that. We'll we'll talk more about the details of that as we get a little bit closer. But yes, there will be a gut reaction. All right, Zach. a Couple other things, and then we got to go here. Um, offensive coordinator Justin Outen. All right, was asked um, whether or not it's true Russell Wilson likes to throw it deep more than most other quarterbacks likes to. Right. Quote: I would say yes, and we invite that. We love it too. When you have one-on-one matchups you want to take advantage of, there's nothing like that's the best route in football. A down-the-field throw on a one-on-one matchup, it also invites defenses to back off a little bit and allows you to get those underneath throws throughout the game, close quote. So, yes, Zach, the offensive coaches know that Russ likes to do that. They're confirming it. And then, quote, we invite that. We love it, too. So I think Broncos fans, you know, when when you think about, kickers taking advantage of the thin mile high air. I think you're going to see the coaches trying to take advantage of that too when it comes to the to the whip on the right shoulder of Russell Wilson.
1: He's arguably the best deep ball passer in the league. Why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? You know, And from what he said there, we invited too. It almost seems like Russell Wilson has a lot more control of the offense and the play calling than is led to believe. Um, so maybe Russell Wilson will cook on his own volition, Chad. Maybe he will see something out there on a designed run play or a called run play. He'll audible out of it and maybe hit K.J. Hamler for a 70-yard touchdown deep down the field. We know he has the talent and the ability to.
2: Benji says, what is the benefit on a Super Chat? By the way, thank you, Benji. What is the benefit of Walton selling out his ownership shares to other people? Well, we don't know exactly how that is being um executed in terms of shares and percentages and all that stuff. What we know is he's offering certain people uh, some sort of buy-in opportunity. And I think the biggest benefit, to answer your question, Benji, is, you know, if you just said, why is, are, are the Waltons allowing other people to buy in? Number one, they want to foster, I think, a strong collective group of highly productive, resourceful, winning, successful mindset type people. And then the other aspect of it, Zach, is they really do have an emphasis. This was something the NFL wanted, and it sounds like Walton shares a brain on this, is they want to really emphasize uh, diversity in the, in the ownership side of, owners, of Broncos ownership and any form of leadership. They want it to, as closely as they can, try and reflect what you see on the field.
1: It says to me that Rob Walton won't be a micromanager. You know, he won't be a Jerry Jones or Daniel Snyder. If he's having so many cooks in the kitchen that he's inviting to the kitchen, then obviously he's going to take a step back and treat the Broncos, you know, as part of his portfolio while using his wealth to help out the franchise. But when you're worth $70 billion, what's another 4.5 that you can blow on an NFL team? It's it's almost pocket change. I mean, think of this 1%, a
2: 1% share. Would be forty-five million dollars. How many people have that just sitting in the in the bank liquid? You know, you look at like the net worth of a John Elway, for example. Even he, that's not easy to come up with forty-five million dollars hard cash. Um, as evidenced, by the way, what what's I forget the, what Winning Time, that Lakers uh, show on HBO that's that's got uh, some good actors in. It. I've been watching. What's it called? Winning Time, the Showtime Lakers, or whatever. It's actually pretty entertaining. I read some bad reviews, so I didn't want to re watch it at first. But I watched one episode, and I I thought, this is actually pretty good, even though they break the the fourth wall quite a lot. Uh, You learn about how Jerry Buss, who bought the the Lakers uh, the same year that Magic Johnson was drafted, how he had to go through similar things at a smaller scale back then, Zach. But coming up with liquid, you know, it's one thing that on paper have this net worth or these, you know, this, here's, here's my investments. Here's my portfolio. A lot of that ends up being tied up in in, when you look at someone's net worth in physical assets. Like if you looked at my net worth, a big part of that would be my house, right? Well, just because if my house is worth just to use a round figure, half million dollars. All right. And you look at, and that's a good chunk of my net worth or something. Well, it's not so easy to just liquidate that $500,000. I could do that, but then I'd have to sell my house That takes time, that takes things like, so just having 45 million bucks, Zach, my point here, just sitting around, it takes a certain class of owner or whatever you want to call it as of a wealthy person to be able to have those means.
1: I think in sports and in football, we've become desensitized to the huge price tags, the huge figures. Just guys, if you want to see how big $45 million is, spell it out. You know, numerically on your computer, write it out and see see how many zeros that is to give you the full magnitude of how much money that really is.
2: All right. Last one. And then we got to get out of here for now. Dave from Georgia, another legendary Super Chat superstar here at MHH, says special thanks to the Pat Bowen family for 30 plus years of mostly winning football. A new dawn awaits us. Everything great that you've witnessed the Broncos achieve as an organization. And I mean like achieve greatness happened under the Bolin, Pat Bolin specifically watch. All right. And even 2015, you know, he only stepped away due to the Alzheimer's uh, ravages 18 months before that. And we don't know how far advanced he was when that happened. R- remembering some of the storylines, Zach, and some of the um, comments and quotes from his family member, he knew what his team accomplished, but see, when they won the Super Bowl, and this one's for Pat thing from John, that iconic moment, that was so cool. He wasn't in the building, but, Zach, the people that led to that, he was there for that. He was there for the signing of DeMarcus Ware, Aqib Talib, Peyton Manning, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, the drafting of and signing off on Von Miller at number two overall, which was no just like – that wasn't a cut-and-dry thing. There were a lot of great options in that class, including Patrick Peterson, including J.J. Watt. Broncos went with Von Miller and proved right rubber stamp by Pat Bolin. And then, of course, Zach, probably the thing that we need to credit him the most with was on the heels of a controversial decision to hire the youngest coach in the NFL at that time, and it failed in Josh McDaniels to then go and do something also controversial and bring back a guy who was not perceived as a football guy to run your football operations. You give kudos to Pat for that. So Pat Bolin, RIP legend, and yes, the Pat Bolin era was special. Now it's time to make another special era in Broncos football.
1: Yeah, very well said. And what just occurred to me was how ironic is the ownership transfer taking place the day after DT day. You know, one of the greatest players in franchise history who blossomed in the Pat Bolin era. uh, The next day, the Broncos are going to change the page to a new era. So, you know, there were good times in the past, but I think even better times ahead going forward. R.I.P. Pat Bolin, R.I.P. DT. Amen. Zach, with that, let's uh, let's get out of here for tonight. That was the Mile High Huddle podcast, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this evening. We are off until Thursday, but in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen, myself at KelbermanNFL, Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy, and at Mile High Huddle for all your latest Broncos news, takes, rumors, analysis, film breakdowns, and so much freaking more. If you haven't, please go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself some merch, all-new inventory on their all-new website. Check it out when you can. And Facebook.com slash Like that page. Follow that page. Guys and gals, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your Football Priest a five-star review for a chance for some merch each and every single month. But... As you see ticking below you, please, if anything, do these three simple, simple steps. Subscribe, like, and share. That's it. That's all. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you.
2: That's a big thing we need you guys to do. Please make sure you like the video before you go. It really does help us in in all the uh, algorithmic issues that uh, platforms like us, uh, publications like us, channels like us, we need that, okay? Shout out to these great Super Chat superstars tonight. James throwing down 10 individual Super Chats. Big baller. Really appreciate that, buddy. Uh, the Duchess throwing down, as she is wanted to do. So generous. We love you, Michaela. Shane Daniels throwing down. Corey H., Benji Clay, and Dave from Georgia. And then on Facebook, Howie throwing down some very, very generous stars. Same with Phil. Love you guys. Gary, Andrew. Uh, that's Andrew Lampy and Andrew Baker, Lawrence Rivera, and Charlie Dominguez. One of my best friends in first grade, his last name was Dominguez, Uh, for what it's worth, Charlie. But as Zach said, appreciate each and every one of you. Catch us tomorrow for the Mile High Huddle Show on Mile High Sports Radio 98.1 FM. If you're not in Denver, let not your hearts be troubled. Check our, our Twitter accounts. You will see the listen live, and hopefully you just bookmark that. And then you don't have to search for it on our Twitter accounts every day, and you're just listening live every weekday.
1: From two to three tomorrow guys be sure to check out broncos for breakfast in the morning and then building the broncos tomorrow night again we're back off until thursday evening have a great start to your week take care and as always go broncos smash that like button like raul says
0: you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going you